0: Folks, uh, every religion is based on the idea of sin and rewards and a super being is watching you from above the sky who who will later decide how to punish you or reward you and send you to heaven where everything is free and unlimited. then we had the idea of uh, uh, free sex in heaven and the description in Islam we have about it is really exaggerated. Uh, the mullahs can be seen telling all those stories and fake assumptions and figures of the huris and all that. And the condition of a Muslim man's penis which will always be erect, will never go down and will be ready to have sex 24-7 all his life and there is no limit to it. Uh, Muhammad and his uh, associates, particularly the tribal areas, they knew the sex sales and the common man is always looking for it, but in those days, the sex and fun was only allowed for the powerful and, of course, the mullah. So, ultimately, they used average Muslim around them for their expansionism and control, so they can create more harams and have bigger empire. Every religion has its own idea in Hindu uh, philosophy. The punishment can happen here on this earth or after life in the next recreation. Hindus believe in reincarnation about seven times and then but if you do good you will be born into next sect or next caste and you will be better placed in society. And all the religions have this idea of sin and rewards. Most religions believe in later life and life after death, but they let live their followers the life of their choosing In this world. They do not limit their opportunities like Islam do, at least the current Islam uh, we know does and they allow their followers to conquer the world and do whatever they like to do. They have equal rights to their women and they have the rights of the kids. The clergies make money, and and generally these money are made on sad events like uh, birth or uh, good events like uh, I mean sad events like death, and the good events like birth, uh, the uh, marriage, the uh, later on the death. They make a lot of money and the graveyard and the masjid and the uh, synagogue or whatever religious places, they are filthy rich because they sell the uh, death and the promise that this dead person will be in the highest place after heaven and so on. It is interesting to note that they themselves don't believe in it. They just make others fool around and when their time of death comes, they want to make sure that they do everything possible here because they know that there is no such thing as life after death. In early Islam, there were hardly 10% of the time wasted on rituals, 60% was for warfare and attacking other tribes and the 30% was to have uh, some family life or some other activities. During 40 years of four caliphs and 80 years of Umayyads, the number of rituals were hardly any except prayers, which were also, not five times. They never prayed five times regularly. Even Prophet Muhammad never prayed five times. Quran only mentions three times of prayers. And the purpose of prayer actually in those days was for the people to get ready for wars and make sure everybody is coming so they can be assigned the job, the work, and They can be trained for any future attack which the rulers uh, planned. And that was done for hundreds of times. There were, as I said earlier, 93 attacks on their neighbors and towns in the life of Muhammad. And then hundreds and hundreds of later fighting. And they were all managed from uh, the mosque. There was uh, no central point where they can call the Puli people to inform them what is their next duty. Moreover, there never was any hadith available during the first 120 years of advent of Islam. Arabs of that time were busy making harams and plundering other nations. They then came the Abbasids, who were the real heirs of Muhammad's heritage. And since they got power through the effort of Iranians and Central Asians, and saw the awareness of non Arabs and their hate of racist Umayyad policies, the Abbasids started the establishment of Islamic philosophy because they knew their number is not enough to control the vast area and the big number of people they have conquered so they created a new muhammad as i said earlier muhammad was not cared for in his lifetime he was not mentioned in any of the communication the four caliphs had All they had is Quran and the sword and they knew, during the life of Muhammad, that it worked very well. That is why uh, Umar, when he was told that Muhammad wanted to write his will, he said, No, he has lost his mind. Quran is enough for us. The work uh, Abbasid started actually expanded in various forms. Uh, the new um, uh, sects like Sufis and Shias and uh, basically the Ismailis were very powerful at that time and were very active. Uh, they actually worked with uh, the Caliph and then we saw the mushrooming of different philosophies And we saw the Hadith hadith, uh, written and then uh, many Hadiths during those 150 years. And then many school of thoughts emerged. Abbasid generally followed humbly school of thought. And the many people, they followed uh, Maliki, uh, Anafi, Jafri, and uh, other sects. Over 100 school of thoughts emerged by 1000 A.D. And Sufis got more influence all over the Abbasid Caliphate. Since they wanted to establish their power, they conspired against uh, Abbasids every now and then and weakened it as and when they got chance. Ismailis in particular, were very active.
1: Then came the Mongols
0: and that demolished the Abbasid Caliphate because the the Abbasids were not so different from Umayyads who established a racist uh, ideology and they got all the powers in their hand gave no importance to non arabs particularly Iranians, who were smarter than them. And so, the different sects, they helped Mongols uh, ruin the Abbasid Caliphate, destroy Baghdad, and so on. And then, we saw the emergence of uh, Sufis, and then we saw the Uh, rules and regulations created for average Muslims, which uh, totally enslaved them into a slave of the ruling elite. To do that, they put the 7th century uh, Arabs on a high pedestal and epitome of morality, knowledge and the closeness to Allah. Thereby, these Sufi mullahs and the Shia mullahs, they became the most important in society after the warrior group. The warrior group was ruling and these mullahs were supporters and their approvers. The standard they created for public were very cruel and very punitive on little violations. Women were the biggest victim, and what really happened in Muslim society is that women value decreased to nothing. The average man had very little rights, but at least he was considered a human being. But the women were brought down to less than a human being and was even equated with dogs. They put many hadiths which totally degraded the life of woman and the womanhood. There are numerous examples in hadiths which devalues and Denies woman right. One hadith narrated by Omar, the second caliph, say that he heard from Prophet that if any man beat his wife, no one should ask him why he beat her. Omar later went on to deny all rights to woman and ordered them to stay at home. In another hadith, Prophet says, the prayer of a Muslim will be voided if a dog, donkey or woman passes in front of him while he is praying. Aisha, the wife of Muhammad, protested on it, but the Prophet did not change it. So that way, the mullahs claimed that woman value is like the value of dog. The laws created in Sharia, uh, which was basically the laws created during Abbasids, and the main purpose was to consolidate the power of the Caliph. We see that there are so many instances where women are demeaned, and are called the residents of the hell. There is so much written against women that uh, we wonder uh, what was the psychology of the people who wrote these hadiths. They are so bad that any woman will be in depression after reading all this what the Hadith and the Mullah says about her. They brought another Hadith which says, Muhammad saw more women and poors in hell when he went for heavenly trip on a horse and donkey, mixed animal with wings. They call it Burak. A little the creator, uh, the, little the writer in the 8th century who wrote the hadith knew that you need 70000 horsepower engine to get out of earth's gravity and coming back the temperature of any object will be 15000 degrees centigrade how one horse or donkey with muhammad sitting on it will tolerate this kind of temperature or even have a rocket strong enough to take that donkey to even outside the uh, earth gravity. After the earth gravity, uh, in old days, Mullah used to tell people that Allah is sitting on the cloud. When we conquered the space and the area around the earth, we find no Allah and then after the invention of Hubble telescope from the time of Galileo which challenged everything Bible or any other, any holy book says we see that the Allah has been sent to billions and billions of miles away. So these kind of stories created were basically people who hated women And definitely it is very uncivilized and will not meet the standard of today's civilized society, which gives equal right to women. Uh, Every Muslim country is a signatory to UN Charter, which allows equal right for everyone, irrespective of sex, color, creed, or origin. But unfortunately, the Islam, particularly the Islam created by these mullahs after 8th century, totally denies the UN Charter. They don't believe in democracy. They openly say there is no democracy in Islam. They only believe in beheading and beating people to death. Now, Prophet Muhammad did not know that Non-Arab Muslims will create Sufism where Allah becomes a slave of a man as Sufi claim that Allah comes into their dreams and Allah comes into their heart and whatever they say is actually from Allah. So this was an ideology which was not the Islam of Muhammad. But he also didn't knew that the Arabs, using his statements, will go on to conquer the vast uh, land and then establish a system which is totally racist. And they will create hadiths about him, saying that uh, if there are two people in this world left, Uh, The Caliphate will be in my family. If it was him, then definitely he didn't know what he was talking about. Then by 13th century, we saw Muhammad's Islam totally wiped out. And the new form of Islam was very helpful to the powerfuls and corrupts. And they went on to create vast Muslim empires and uh, countries Uh, but they used Islam but they never actually did anything for common men. Uh, Coming back to um, early Islam, uh, we see that for uh, 120 years uh, there was no ritual except occasional prayers. There was no tradition of Deirut Sharif, no mention of Muhammad was done by four caliphs or later. There was no tradition of big religious processions, no qawalis, no majlis like what Shia do, no Eid Miladun Nabi celebrations, no terrorists to kill people in the name of Muhammad or Quran or his associates. Today, we have a dozen terrorist outfits killing in the name of Muhammad, Quran, his associates, four caliphs, and Ali and his family. These are mainly blackmailers, smugglers, and child molesters who live in the mosques but do anything everything inhumane and barbaric and Unfortunately, the people they kill or killed are not even related to any Arab These are poor Pakistanis killed barbarically in the name of 7th century barbarians who even Arabs never cared you won't find a, a single outfit in 22 Arab countries killing each other in the name of 7th century Muslims in Pakistan though we see even educated Pakistanis being part of this stupidity we see Shias who are also very educated have been strangulated by Iranian-supported mullahs just to to create an arab persian politics in Pakistan. They know it is an absolute drama, but due to social control and family, they keep shut up. They don't have the courage to go against their mullahs or Iranian interests. After 8th century, the Islam created by these Mullahs, Imams, or uh, Sufis, or whoever they call themselves, we see that the sin and reward drama exploded in Muslim world, particularly the non-Arab societies. They put so much conditions to be a Muslim that anything a Muslim says makes them kafir. If they criticize anything Muhammad, his family or any of his associates did, they come after them to kill them and silence them. They change the daily uh, habits of Muslims and they put them so much pressure that the Muslims ended up wasting thirty to forty percent of this life, of this life, in these rituals and useless activities. As I said, five-time prayers, going to all these kind of uh, processions, uh, doing doing duhr sharif and asking for forgiveness from Allah for the sins, and all that, it really makes them incapable to be useful for a modern life. Their productivity went down to 40% of the civilized and industrial world. And then on top of that, they have a month of fasting where their productivity goes down to 16%. And because of this control of mullahs, uh, there is no concept of family planning in, in Muslim countries. In Pakistan, we had a population of 4, 45 million in 1970, and now we are 22 million. No country in the world has exploded in population like Pakistan this, thanks to Zia and then this mullah control. the conditions on uh, average muslims are really so bad that they anything they do it is considered haram or sin and they have made it part of islam like in daily activities if you look at each other twice you are a sinner you jump on the road you are a sinner You miss one time prayer, you are a sinner. You entertain or play games, you are a sinner. You drink, you are a sinner. Although drinking is not haram in Quran. And Arabs never stopped drinking or taking drugs. You can go in any, any Arab country and you will see the druggist roaming around all over that place. You listen to music, you are a sinner. You go out, if you are a woman, you are a sinner. If you don't obey your husband, you are a sinner. If you disagree with your, with your husband, you are a sinner. If you complain, if he is beating you, you are a sinner. I mean, there are so many sinning activities that the whole Muslim life has become the life of sinner. And then the mullah says, you must cry and you must give um, us money so we can pray for you and all that bullshit. When a Muslim dies, these mullahs come in droves and then they pray Quran and all this drama and make money from it then they whoever pays more money they pray for the dead guy uh, in such a way that everybody starts crying because the relative of the dead person paid a lot of money to mullahs so that way they make money from cradle to the grave and the muslim man never gets any right or independence. Particularly the Muslim woman, it's an absolute tragedy. You can read any uh, religious books like this Vazayef uh, and uh, Nath Khonis and all those you will see in the end of this book there will be instructions for Muslims and one of the instructions will be never allow your woman to go out or never allow your woman to be head of the house. I mean, there is so much against women that it is, looks like a complete joke, and no nation can progress unless it respects women as a human being, and it gives them all the right they deserve and they have in the constitution. For how long uh, this drama can continue, It is uh, really hard to imagine, but we see uh, some Muslim countries who have done something to control these mullahs and this uh, bullshit of sin and reward. They have laws in the land which punish you if you do anything wrong. They have laws in the land which rewards you If you do the right thing and the government take care of you and there is no condition from a civilized government that if you do what we ask you or which is your responsibility that you will be rewarded with 72 huris. There is no idea of sin and reward in a civilized society, any constitution or any law. There is responsibility, and there is right. And you always see, in these countries, a common sense prevails. The women get equal rights, the kids have rights, even the animals have rights. While in Islam, as I said earlier, only the corrupt, and the mullahs have rights. If you don't believe me, go to Bangkok, Manila and then you will see all these wealthy Arabs and the corrupts having fun, which is not available probably in their country. God bless.